Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and this is Case 17, Seance 9. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian as Ben. How could I be in a movie? I mean, I'm not even an actor. Lupine as Rosa. You guys, there's this thing called Rosé. And Matt as Diego. Uh, yeah, I call this piece I lost my welder halfway through, but you just don't understand. Last week, the investigators tried to make sense of the strange movie reel that Harcourt found on the fifth floor of Odeon Studios. A closer examination of the film canister and a few frames of the movie turned up some leads as to who made it, but also generated a few more questions. In particular, Ben was so rattled to see his own face staring back at him, he forgot to retrieve the magic trick book that he'd found in the basement. The next day, Harcourt lost a peptic battle with too many chili dogs at lunch, so Ben joined Diego at Platinum Pictures Limited to get more information about Seance 9's filmmakers. Meanwhile, Rosa met Cece at the local lover's hotspot, The Hill, where they enjoyed the warm twilight and some contraband wine. Currently, it is early evening of Tuesday, April 18th. Diego and Ben are standing in the parking lot of the gas station, where moments before a 1962 Cadillac had sped off after idling ominously nearby. Rosa and Cece are on their way to a local pizza dive, where the bartenders don't bother to card patrons if they look old enough to drink. Diego, you have just seen very odd indications on the Cadillac that sort of rattled you, and that's when Ben sort of snaps you out of your reverie. Sorry, um, the car was, I think, following us, or at least watching us. The car was sentient? I think just maybe one of the tires might have been. Okay, scared me for a minute there. (laughs) You know, we should pitch that movie. That'd be a great idea for a sentient tire that just goes around killing people. You think they'd make that? No, that's stupid. Ah, no, that's that's dumb. (laughs) Who would make a movie like that? Why do you think the Cadillac was following us? They pulled into a gas station, and then they pull into a parking spot. They don't go for gas. They don't get out of the car. They don't go in looking to use the bathroom or buy anything. They're just, who pulls into a gas station and sits in a parking spot doing nothing? It is kind of weird, but, I mean, if you give me about two seconds, I could come up with 30 to 40 ideas as to how something could happen where you pull in. Oh, crap, I forgot my wallet. I got to get out of here. Go get my wallet. There's one. Did you see something that made it seem weird? It had a bumper sticker on it. It said something like, you're not dreaming, I think. And I'm pretty sure that the license plate wasn't a regular one. It was, uh, it was one of the, the fancy ones that you pay extra to make it say what you want, you know? Oh, oh, a vanity plate. Yeah. Do you remember what it said? So C-M-P-H-L-L-N-E. Well, C-M-P... Camp? Camp? And what do we know that's H-L-L-N-D? How about the camp that we went to when we first met? Mulholland? Yeah, 
don't like to put that M in there. Oh, look, you only got so many letters when you make these things because, you know, they have to fit onto the, the width of the license plate. So you, you got to be selective. Yeah, that could be Camp Holland. The Dutch are invading. The Dutch are invading. Uh, no, just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Let's keep an eye out and make see if we, if we do see it again, then we know for sure something wacky is happening. All right. Go get me a ho-ho. You think I travel without ho-ho? I think they'd be in the, uh, underneath the seat. Right by the gas tank. They smell a little. I think the wheels of the bike are painted like ho-hos. They just have, like, the spiral. Dude, thank you. I am so hungry. Uh, let me know when you're done. I paid for everything, and, uh, we're... Oh, I'm done. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. So you guys get back on the mini bike, and your original destination was going to be Love Connection. You got the address to that from Dickie Evans's widow at Platinum Pictures Limited. So that, again, if you recall, is at 11455 Laurel Canyon Boulevard. If you want to, I did update the uh, Google map to show you those locations. And you can see Love Connection is up in uh, San Fernando Valley. So it's a bit northwest of where you guys were. It takes you a little while to get there. It's about the same distance from the school, roughly, but it's going to take us forever to get home. And as you're riding the mini bike up the sidewalks and trying to keep out of traffic, it's obviously twilight now. By the time you get to the address, you see that the Love Connection offices are situated under Interstate 5 in an industrial two-story building that squats only 100 feet or so from a vagrant encampment, where the flickering glow of fire in rusted barrels illuminates the unwashed, leathery faces of society's cast-off residents. Now, from inside the structure emanates the rhythmic thump of aggressive disco music. You sure this is the right place? I think it is. Were we here to see again? I forget. Did we have a name? Uh, yeah, the camera guy. Yeah. Yeah. What well, starts with an O, right? Owen Butler. Yeah. He goes, wow. 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 Come on, Loki. Wow. Well, I say we get it over with. The uh, less time we spend here, the sooner we'll get home. Park the... Uh, Mini bike, just kind of lean it up against the side of the building. Maybe try and put it a little bit out of the way in hopes that nobody steals it while I'm inside. And you see one of the vagrants shuffling his way toward you. Hey, guys. Uh, you, got, you got a quarter? I just need a quarter. Don't give him anything. He'll just come back asking for more. Guys, I haven't eaten in like a week. I just a quarter. I'm going to reach down in my pocket and see what change I have. I think I have like 78 cents. Here you go, man. Get something warm to eat. Oh, man. Thanks a lot, man. What's, what's your name? I'm, I'm, I'm Billy. Holy shit. That's my name. You're Billy too? We're both Billy's. Billy. Well, my name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh, John, nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks. This will help a lot. I'll get, like, a coffee and a donut. And, God, there's so much money here. What what do you guys do for a living? Are you, like, bank robbers? Nobody needs to know we're here, if that's what you're asking. Oh, I see. Like, no one one knows. Okay, got it. All right. Thanks, man. I I appreciate it. But 78 cents is all you got? Well, we might have some more once we come back out. All right. And he turns away and starts shuffling back towards his burn barrel. Let's get in quick, because I want to get out of here. I'm getting hungry, too. He just had a ho-ho. You guys go up to the front door, and uh, there's no signage or anything on the front door. I'm going to pull on it and see if it opens. 
It does. It opens up with a hiss, and the music gets much louder. Oh, God. Who still listens to disco? The sound just overwhelms your senses, the force almost repelling you backwards. And you can see that the interior has been painted entirely black with kitschy artwork of half-naked people hanging on the walls and a slowly spinning glitter ball hanging from the ceiling of the lobby area. And behind the counter is a guy who looks like he's in his about late 40s, uh, overly tanned skin, gold chains hanging, greasy chest hair. He has an open shirt wearing lizard skin pants, and his hair is slicked back but thinning a little bit. A cigarette is in the ashtray next to him, and you see a, uh, a mixed drink sitting there on top of the counter, which he absentmindedly reaches for and drinks. And uh, behind him, you can see a couple doors, uh, one of which is open. There's a staircase leading upwards, too. As you look past one of the open doors is a bright light in another room, and a completely naked man walks past, looking out at you at the reception desk, gives you a little head nod. As he passes. And I just wave eagerly. Gentleman at the counter is not even acknowledging your presence. Hey, dude. Um, hey, uh, we're, we're here looking for someone. Uh, can, can you help me? Uh, yeah. See, uh, you're a little late for the uh, audition. Um, uh, did you bring your own toys? Uh, we're looking for Owen Butler. Guys, that's me. What do you kids want? You film movies, right? You were you were a camera guy. That's what we do here, man. We film movies. Are you you guys looking to get like a date or something? Because I've got just the no, thing, I'm, man. I want to ask All right, you. So a what we do questions. here is we we do this VHS thing, right? You just sit down, you talk I to yourself, wanna, and about, you know you you might have some trouble, but you you're. I just have you been uh, here before? Be Did really you already make quick. a tape? Um, you look familiar. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, that's why we're here. What do you know about a movie called Seance Nine? And he pauses mid drink. What did you say? Seance Nine. It, it it was a movie that you were camera on. We um see we work for a guy who has a a studio of his own. He stores a lot of stuff, and um somewhere within all the the riff raff that was hanging around a uh, place, uh, it's called Odeon Studios. I don't know if you Eugene Eubanks. And you see him look from you to Ben, and the color is draining from his face. Let's go back to my office. And he stands up and walks towards the uh, staircase. I'm going to hit Diego on the shoulder and be like, come on, let's go. And you guys follow him up to uh, his office, which is filled with wall-to-wall VHS tapes. The lights overhead are depressing fluorescent lighting in a drop ceiling that is stained. And his desk is sprawling but covered with papers and contracts. And uh, he has a sign on it. A little placard that says O.Butler, producer. And takes you a minute to understand what it is, but it looks like it's a little statuette that says Adult Awards 1976. And it looks kind of like a penis. And as he sits down, he notices it and then quickly grabs it, opens up a drawer and shoves it in, closes the drawer. Guys, have a seat. Uh, you want a drink or anything? Um, I think I'm okay. Seance Stein, you said? Uh, close the door. Would you, would you mind closing the door? Yeah, I'll get up and close the door. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I, you know, it's been, been a little while since I've heard that name. Are you okay? Well, fine. What? Well, so what What? What about Seance Stein? We watched it. Well, part of it. We found um, 
I think the ninth reel. I think we said it was. It had a. It was only. It was only one spool film that had a number nine on the inside. So we're assuming it was the the ninth, maybe ninth reel. And he takes a long drag on his cigarette, reaches down to the pack, and chain lights the new one, and then stubs out the old one. There was only one reel. Where did you guys find this? Uh, like we said, uh, we were we were cleaning up a bit around Odeon. And uh, it was uh, hanging around with a bunch of other old film canisters. Every now and then we'll, you know, pop one in just to see what it is just for laughs. Odeon, huh? I thought, I thought Dickie had that. Sorry to inform you of this, but uh, we went to talk to Dickie and uh, he, he, he's dead. Oh, yeah, I heard, but I haven't seen him in at least a decade. So sorry for your loss. Well, back in the day, I mean, we used to... Do a few projects together. But anyways, uh, yeah. So you found the film. Uh, we faked it all. End of story. How did you fake me being in the film? What's your name? Phil McCracken. I'm his pal, Ben Dover. They're actually filming that downstairs. Ben. Ben McKnight. No, I would have remembered that. But you do look really familiar. That's what everybody said when we watched the movie. And then it burned. It's gone? No, not all of it. It's split in two. It's dividing. I guess my one piece of advice is get rid of it because it's bad luck. I'll never forget it. It looked like something really bad happened. I lied. It, we didn't fake it. We couldn't fake it. Just things went bad. Something came out of Betsy and we ran. How did the film survive? I was the cinematographer. You know, Sid was directing and Dickie... He was producing it. At that time, he really liked all those cheap horror movies because you could really turn them over really quick. Yeah. He got that Ouija board somewhere. I don't even know who got it. I think maybe even Betsy brought it with her. She said something about it being in her family or something. I don't know. What was her name? Betsy? The old broad, right? Betsy. What was her last name? Do you remember? I know it was a long time ago. Over a decade ago. Um, I can't remember, but maybe you want to go talk to Sid about that part of it. Uh, he might have a better recollection than I do. I do remember it was Betsy, and we had Dickie's cousin Martin, I think it was. Real handsome guy. You want the camera on him, that's for sure. Then, of course, there was Maud. Poor kid. She's gorgeous back then. And then uh, some guy, I forget where we even hired him. He was just really looking for a job. I think his name was like Hans or something. I don't know. He had like a German accent. And that was the person that kind of looked like me. Uh, Yeah, kind of. I mean, I haven't seen it in such a long time, but you, you certainly do look familiar. It was a standard shoot. We were just doing it at night, uh, an old warehouse that we had. We were kind of doing it a little bit on the sly. I think Dickie found this warehouse. Somebody, a friend of a friend owned something like that. Wasn't exactly scale, you know, wasn't union. We, you know, set up a, a real cheap table and cloth and the whole thing and did the whole seance thing. Woo, that shit really sells, you know. And then Betsy just went, I don't know. Something happened to her. I thought maybe she had like a some sort of epileptic seizure or something. I had, but then there was like something happened, and we all freaked out. Me and Sid were the first ones out the door. Not real proud of this, but we actually jumped into a dumpster in an alleyway. It's not like you you knew what was happening. You were just trying to get away from whatever it was. We could hear her screams. She was calling for help, and I could hear something roaring, and then. It just all went quiet. Did you ever go back? Obviously to get the film, but I mean... You sure you guys don't want some whiskey or something? Uh, no, but you go ahead if you need to. I understand that. I do. 
And he turns around and pours rattlingly against his glass another full tumbler of whiskey. He, he seems to have shrunk in the time that has taken to tell the tale. He's no longer the slick video guy that uh, you saw at the front desk. And he's not even looking at you anymore. He's looking into the glass of whiskey. We stayed in there. It must have been an hour until we were sure that there was nothing else out there in the alley. By the time we came out, it was gone. And we saw what looked like blood. We didn't even go back into the set. We found the nearest phone booth and called Dickie. He told us to go home, that he would take care of it. That was it. We went our separate ways, and I haven't seen any of them ever since. So Dickie must have got... He must have been the one to get the film, would be my guess. Like I said, you know, you might want to try finding Sydney. You know where we could get in touch with Sydney or have a number or something? Or I know it's been a long time and we're asking for a lot. You don't even know us. I've got a number here. And he flips through a Rolodex and pulls out a number that says S. Schlesinger. I haven't called in a while, so he might not even be there, but it's worth a shot. I really appreciate it. I'm just... We're, try, we're just trying to get to the bottom of how somebody could look so much like me in this film and in really what happened, to be honest with you. It, it really shook us to our core, and we, we just need some closure. I'm sure you do, too. I've come to terms with it. It's been a long time. And as far as I'm concerned, closure is right here in this glass and downstairs You know, I've got my business to think about, and I don't ever want to think about that horrible, horrible thing. I advise you to burn that movie and be done with it. We thank you for all your time and help. We really do appreciate it. You guys need any odd jobs by any chance? I mean, I know how to use a mop. We might be able to use you here and there. Uh, If you do say, Sid, please don't mention my name. One last thing, and I'm really sorry, but do you have a dollar that, that I could borrow? Yeah, sure. I don't know what I'm thinking. Just here's a buck. Oh, one more thing. Hey, Columbo, get the fuck out of here. Thank you. He takes you back down the stairs and sees you out the front door. All right, guys. Good luck to you. And he shuts the door, and you hear the tumblers engage. All right. I'm going to scan for the um, gentleman that was around the burn barrel. He's actually making his way back to you right now. Guys, uh, you get. Hi, um, my name's Billy. Can I get, like, you got any money? Hey, Billy. As I promised, here's that dollar for you. Oh, man. Oh, thanks, man. Careful, it's a little sticky. All right, thanks. And he turns around and starts heading back. All right, Diego, we got to put this into fifth gear and get home. (laughs) You think this thing has more than one gear? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Get on the back. As Ben uh, goes to mount the back seat. Uh, you hear a voice behind you. Bless you and, and, and watch your back. She's got eyes everywhere. I'm sorry. Who? Who has eyes everywhere? And Diego, you turn around and there's nobody there. No sign of the vagrant. I just look at Diego and be like, mm-hmm. all right, let's go. And uh, you hop on and uh, speed away back to the dorms. Now, Rosa... As far as taverns go, Ricky's is the best. Their pizza is top-notch because they're overly generous with their toppings to the point where a fork is a requirement. Plus, they don't water down their drinks. 
Now, because of this, on any given night, it is bustling. The rickety bar stools are packed because it's two for Tuesday, where the first drink is full price, but the second one is only two cents. Patrons mill about, drinking, talking passionately, playing pinball. But thankfully, you're able to score an empty booth in the back, just as four young Turks who know Cece from the Purple Parrot leave, fending off a gaggle of college girls who are not happy to have been made to wait. As you settle in, the jukebox cues up, Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. The waiter comes up. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, what, what kind of pizza you want? Well, you want, Cece? Whatever goes well with rosé. I don't know, pepperoni? You guys want like what? Four slices? Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, we want to drink. Maybe I should stick to water now. Yeah, I'll have a beer. All right, yeah, cool, cool. Beer and water. Got it, got it. All right, back in a minute. Oh, uh, you know what? I think I think I'll have a beer too. Four slice pizza, with two beers. All right, be right back. He takes off, and then it's just you and CC, and uh, she's you know looking at you across the table, but also keep one eye on the crowd that is milling about. CC reaches over across and touches the back of your hand. Tell me about this movie thing. Yeah, so it was really weird. They looked like they were doing, you know what a seance is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like and and the Ouija board? Yeah, of course. I mean, we all dinked around with those when we were kids, right? And the movie showed some lady, her head exploded. Oh, like the Fury? Oh, yeah, man, that just came out. That was so great. Okay, I don't want to ruin it. You probably haven't seen it, but at the end, they uh, blow up this guy's head. It's awesome. So it was like that, right? I don't know. It almost looked like something came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like that movie that's coming out. Next week, the Manitou. I saw a preview on TV. It's supposed to be really killer. The reason that it really freaked us out is someone looked a lot like, you know, my friend Ben. Yeah, of course. He looked like Ben. It was really weird. We were just watching this old movie and then all of a sudden it like the real burnt. Sounds like a pretty boring movie after that then. It looked so real, you know? Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing it. I mean... I don't know if they're working on it or, you know, we just we just found it in an old reel. I think the money ran out or something. You know how Hollywood is. Yeah, I know. They're just, uh, they're all about the bucks, but it sounds like it could have been cool. So the Manitou. Have you seen the previews? Oh my God, it's so crazy. Tony Curtis is in it. I got some tickets from Mr. Eubanks, the guy who worked for, to the Star Theater. Yeah, that'd be cool. I got a password for free popcorn too. I like free popcorn. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it, man. April 28th, so that's about another week and a half. That sounds fun. You know what? Uh, A little too much rosé. I gotta hit the head, all right? Okay. And she leans over and gives you a little kiss on the lips and then departs quickly to the restroom because she's gotta go. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now. At that moment, the uh, waiter comes back with pizza. Uh, Here you go. Uh, It's not super hot. It's been sitting up there in the heat lamp for a while, but it should be all right. Yeah, thanks. Oh, and uh, here's a red wine and a white wine. Oh, wow. Um, Some admirer sent them over to you. Oh, huh. And he points back towards the bar and then turns around and starts walking away. Can I try to see who, if anyone's like watching me? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost as if the crowd parts momentarily and you see a very tall, voluptuous woman. Seated at the bar in a tight-fitting red dress, heels, wearing a pearl necklace. Her hair is the color of burnished copper, and she raises a glass of rosé and smiles at you. Okay. And then a couple drunks bump into your table. 
no man the the toolbox murders is like the best slasher dude oh he goes at her with a drill and a nail gun no you're full of shit man by the time they meander along, the people have closed back in and you, you don't see the bar at all. She seems kind of out of place in this crowd. She roofied the pizza. Don't eat it. Can you roofie a pizza? You can roofie anything if you try hard enough. Hey, Diego, I got nipples. Can you roofie me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. I do not think that means what you think that means. Hey, Jeremy, does this taste like roofies to you? Blow on my pizza. It's room temp. The uh, rumors of the heat lamp were widely exaggerated. <laughs> and Cece comes back. Oh, excellent. Don't you just love it when you come back from the bathroom and your food's already been delivered? Right. It's the best. And look, we got these glasses of wine. Did you do this? Oh. Uh, yeah, just just for you. I thought you were uh, wanting a little bit of water, but it sounds like you want a little rosé instead. Do you think I should try the red this time? Absolutely. Yeah, let's uh, let's do the old switcheroo. Right. I tried to get you some water, but this dude named Jesus came over. and She grins at you, stands up, and then slides over next to you on your side of the booth. I take a sip of the red. And she takes a sip of the white. We do our baby bird thing. You make it sound so sensual. <laughs> this time I'm going to kiss her on the lips and there might be some tongue in there. Well, she talks, so there's a tongue in there. As the two of you enjoy your evening meal and drink, the memory of the lady who sent over the drinks begins to soften slightly. That might be the alcohol talking. But it also helps to soften the angry glares from the college girls who are still waiting for a table. Oh, I am super, super happy to stick it to them. Diego, you come back after dropping Ben off. And the first thing you notice is it seems to be a little breezy in here. And you see Harcourt sitting at his desk in the dark. The window is wide open and the curtains are blowing in the breeze. You, uh, trying to be melodramatic on me here, Harcourt? Hey, Diego, uh, no, I was just thinking about the moon, and kind of looks like a movie projector when you think about it. You're not going to turn into a werewolf on me, are you? (laughs) Werewolves don't exist. Don't, Don't be silly. I just like, you know, it looks like a movie. You know a movie? Mm-hmm. I know what movies are, Harcourt. The sound of the projector is just... <laughs> Not like a world at all. Just like... <laughs> the way the image just appears like a ghost on the reflective surface of the screen. It's just really cool. I mean, look at the moon. You okay there, buddy? I'm fine. Why do you ask? Being a little spacey. My stomach is still a little weird. What time is it? Oh, jeez. It's late at night, dude. I got class in the morning. I gotta go to bed. I mean, yeah, you probably should. What? I don't know what you're doing up so late. We made an extra stop. I'll tell you about it in the morning. Okay. Fine. He crawls into bed. There you go. I'm gonna walk over and I'm gonna shut the window. Give me a spot hidden, please. I needed a 59. I rolled a 90. That's a failure. What do you mean I can't find the window? There is no window. What window? I don't see no window. So you go to shut the window and. Immediately notice the moon is almost full, incredibly bright, and looks almost too close to the Earth. Harcourt's right. It does sort of look like a big projection bulb. But you close the window, and maybe by the light of day, this will all dissipate, and you go to bed. And I never woke up again. Now, Ben, when you return to your empty dorm room, you also find... 
the window open and the curtains stirring in the breeze. Pop the lights on. Everything seems to be exactly where you left it. I'm going to check every nook and cranny, including any closet space or anything like that. There's nothing out of place. Maybe you left it open. Maybe Lindsay stopped by. I'm going to cautiously walk over to the window, kind of lean out the window, look down and around, see if anybody's down on the in the courtyard. Don't see anything. And then look straight up at the moon. It's almost full. Unremarkable. Shut the window. Check the latch. Make sure it's tight. The latch is nice. I'm going to get ready for bed. Take a shower. I only shower at night with my sunglasses on. Brush my teeth and go to bed. Get in bed, turn out the light, and someone knocks at the door. Candy Graham. Who is it? No response. Lift my head up and look in under the crack of the door to see shadows. There might be a shadow there. It's hard to tell. Roll over to go back to sleep. As soon as you roll over, there's another knock at the door. I whip the blankets off me, whip my legs out, stomp over all the way to the door, and whip it open. What? So you whip open the door, and no one is there, but you hear a thump at your foot. I look towards where I heard the thump. And you see a book lying on the ground, halfway into your room and halfway in the hall. Peer into the hallway, looking left and right. The hallway is empty. I'm going to squat down and... Examine the book. It is the book that you left back at Odeon Studios, the magic trick book. I'm going to quickly grab it and peek out again both ways and shut the door and lock it. Read it aloud. Go back to my bed and turn on the lamp that's screwed to the wall next to my bed. I completely forgot it. How did it get here? Did one of the other guys, did Harcourt do this? He's the only one I could think of, although he was on the fifth floor. Couldn't have been Diego. I mean, it could have been Diego. This is so weird. And I'm going to immediately crack the cover and just start reading. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden, please. I needed a 45 year old, a 76. I'm going to quickly slam the cover again. My mind is still racing. And this time I'm going to take a deep breath, center and focus myself. And I'm going to slowly open it again. So I am going to push it. Okay. Needed a 45 rolled in 11. It's hard. You're pretty sure that it is the act of slamming it so hard that when you open it, it unstuck the two pages that were stuck together at the very beginning of the book. These two pages slowly crinkle open. You can hear this little snap crackle as they part because something had stuck them together. You see, there is a imprint of bright red lipstick mirrored on the opposite sides of the two pages. The left side is but a ghostly remnant of the right page's vibrant kiss. Two worlds. If you want to continue studying this book, I'll need to know right now. I do. This will take you a little while to do. This book is bound in the weirdest leather. Is that a nipple? Does it look like a face or is that just me? This is going to require 16 hours of study. Okay. I open the book up. The pages become unstuck and I am completely intrigued and reinvigorated and ready to go. And I'm just going to start and go straight through. And I will be missing school tomorrow. 
The Kama Sutra. We're going to require you to make a constitution roll in order to not fall asleep at some point. I needed a 60. I rolled a 19. Again, hard success. Rosa, when you get back to your dorm room, you're, you're a little tipsy, aren't you? A little bit. You're trying your best to be quiet because Cassidy is sleeping. Even though the window is wide open and the curtain is flapping in the warm breeze. I'm like trying to be quiet, but it's like that drunk trying to be quiet. So I think I'm being quiet, but I'm actually like knocking everything over. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden, but you're going to take a penalty roll. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I am. That was an 88 over 33. You're trying your best to make your way over to the window to close the window. And you misjudge the distance it takes to reach the windowsill and you come up short and you actually smack your hand straight on to Cassie's desk into some squirrel turds that were littered on her desk. (laughs) So your your hand is now smeared. in squirrel shit. (laughs) You're pretty sure it's Hubert shit. Go ahead and give me a listen roll and you don't have to take a uh, penalty on this one. I failed with 39 over 25. And you just can't help but start giggling uncontrollably. Cassidy sits up in bed. What in the hell are you doing? Uh, I had a night. Are you drunk? What? No. What is that on your hand? Are you about to eat chocolate again? So you see, uh, Hubert made a a visit. (laughs) That fucking squirrel. God damn it, I told you. Why is the window open? And she leaps out of bed and slams the window shut. So I guess I'll go take a shower or something. Yeah, clean up. We've got class in the morning. Come on. Pull yourself together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, go back Go back to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Fine. Shuts off her light. Curls up in bed. And you wander into the bathroom to clean up, sort of still giggling. The next thing you realize, it is 3 a.m., And the shower is running cold on your naked body as you are slumped in the shower with a pounding headache. Is my hand clean? Your hand is absolutely clean, yep. So you are quite pruney. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) You dry yourself off as best you can and immediately just fall into bed and lose consciousness. It's Wednesday morning. Ben is deep in his book studying Diego, you've got uh, some welding stuff to do. Rosa, what kind of classes you got today? Drunkonomics? What? <laughs> I have biology and economics. Basically, you guys meet up at lunch, Rosa and Diego. Harcourt is still feeling a little under the weather. And CC is working tech, so she's a little busy. Lindsay does pop by. Hey, guys. Uh, have you guys seen Ben anywhere? Not recently. Why? Pretty sure we had plans. I mean, we were out pretty late last night. Where? Oh, you know, just doing just doing guy stuff. What does that mean, Diego? He was helping me trick out my mini bike a bit more. You know, I'm trying to eke every little bit of power out of that thing that I can get. Oh, okay. I mean, it's already a monster, but it doesn't hurt to make it a little more monster. You guys weren't running around downtown Hollywood, were you? Not with clothes on. Fair enough. Hey, Rosa, you don't look so good. A little makeup, maybe? Thanks, Lindsay. Put my head down here. She had a little bit too much, uh, if you get what I'm saying. I got to head back into work. I'm doing a special story for the paper. Tell Ben I'll be looking for him after work tonight. If I see him, we will let you know. Yeah, I'll tell Ben. 
the cuffs were looking for him, so. Ball and chain. Meow. I have the worst hangover. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed that. Yeah, what do you do? Gonna reach back into my bag and hand her a ho-ho. I think I'm gonna eat that ho-ho. <laughs> and it's like pure magic. Almost within a few minutes, your hangover dissipates. It's like that injection of way too much sugar, chocolate, your senses come to life, and you are feeling 25% better. Dago, what is in this thing? You know what? Ne- never mind. Don't tell me. It, whatever it is, it's highly processed. So I love you right now. So while we're still hanging in the lunchroom, I'm going to take the time to fill Rosa in on what Ben and I discovered yesterday do you think we should um look up the sky sid probably our best bet figuring out who he is where he is maybe he knows something you got a number for him right oh yeah let's let harcourt sleep maybe we can go back to my dorm room there's a phone there and we can call him i was gonna say your roommate won't mind us kind of barging in she might be in class still. Let's just go see. I don't care about her. So the two of you go back to Rose's dorm room and Cassidy is nowhere to be found. Do you want to call him or should I? I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter who calls him. All we heard was that we probably shouldn't mention uh, Owen's name. I pick up the receiver. Dial. Serenity Sunsets. How can I help you? Uh, hi, I'm looking for uh, Mr. Sidney Schlesinger. Is he a patient here? Patient? What kind of facility are you, I guess? We're a retirement community. Are you his granddaughter? Oh, yeah. We're doing a school project. We were looking to get his input on a film he'd worked on. Let me check the roster. Yes, he's here. Uh, You can uh, visit anytime before 5 o'clock. Oh, okay. And where are you located? We are at uh, 532 East Florence Avenue in Englewood. Thank you. We will see you soon. All right. Drive safe. Click. Love you. Love you too. Well, I never. So this number, did you know this number was for a retirement home? No, he uh, just told us that that was his phone number. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, it's for a retirement home and I guess he's in there. You think we could make it there, have some time to talk to him and make it back to the studio by six for work? It'll be a little tight, but you could probably do it. Let's just go now. I got the mini bike out front. Let's do it. So we have a nice scene with uh, Diego peeling out with Rosa on the back this time with the taste of ho-hos still on her tongue. Just go, man. Tucked on a plot of land in Englewood near Green Parks and a steepled church is Serenity Sunsets, a gothic brick building with cherub statues lined along the rooftop as if promising or threatening an escort to the pearly gates. You particularly don't care for the way the shadows cloak the features of these chiseled gargoyles, turning what should be innocent faces into sinister overseers. A wide stone staircase leads up to heavily reinforced double-paned glass doors, and beyond, a too-small waiting room contains a few worn chairs, a decades-old coin-operated coffee machine, and an isolated reception desk behind a plexiglass divider. Standing in the corner is a bored, hulking attendant in white, apparently guarding doors that lead deeper into the facility. Hello, uh, we're here to visit uh, Mr. Sid Schlesinger. Were you the lady that called me on the phone? You hear the voice behind the plexiglass divider. Oh, yeah. Over here, miss. Over here. That was me. Oh, Okay, Uh, uh, sign in here. Okay. 
What name are you going to write down? Avril Lavigne. Meg Ryan. That could work. You write down Meg Ryan and turn the clipboard back to her. She's filing her nails. She gives a glance at the clipboard. Meg Ryan, not the Meg Ryan, right? No, yeah, we have the same name. Diego, all the while that Rosa is fast talking at the reception desk, you notice the attendant with his arms crossed just watching you intently. And give him a little nod. He nods back. The lady behind the reception desk, who you can see her name tag, it just says Nurse Nancy, says, so what is this project again, Meg? It's this thing about a film that he was doing a while ago. It's for our creative writing class. We're supposed to uh, finish the story, sort of, because we knew that Grandpa did a film and we thought it would be cool to finish the story or whatever. Well, you could have fooled me. I mean, he's been talking about how he used to direct movies and we thought he was full of shit. But okay. Yeah, just go on through the doors there. Uh, he's in the day room. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck. She goes back to filing her nails. And I'm going to grab you. And we're going in the direction that she indicated. And you guys go through the uh, doors. The hulking attendant sort of watches you the entire time. As you go into a long hallway, which at first you're not exactly sure if you're going in the right direction because it appears to be just a a long, narrow hallway lined with doors. As we were walking down the hallway, I like leaned over to Diego and was like, I gave them a fake name. You're my brother. We're visiting grandpa. And that fake name was? Meg Ryan. Really? All the fake names in the world and you had to pick that one. Oh boy. Well, your fake name could be cooler. It just has to have the last name Brian. I'm Burt Reynolds. Thank you very much. And you pass open doorways where you can see the elderly talking to people who don't exist, other people watching TV, eating what looks like well-processed meals from TV trays. Some people are just looking out at you, watching as you go by with sad looks on their faces. And then you come to an open area where many people are playing cards, looking longingly out a window at an enclosed garden, which is beautiful, actually. And the sun is shining today, so it's actually a bit cheerful. And there's a uh, young girl dressed in a nurse's uniform, and she greets you. She's like, hello. Uh, are you here to visit someone? Your grandma? Yeah, Grandpa Sid. Oh, yeah, he's right over there. Uh, he's watching TV right now, but I'm sure he'll be happy to see you. And I'm going to walk over. So, Rosa, you walk up to a gentleman in his late 60s. He is in a wheelchair. His legs have dwindled. He's bald. He has thick cataracts, and he looks slowly up at you. Gertie, is that you? No, Sid, it's it's B, Meg. Oh, you must be Chrissy. Chrissy, it's good to see you. He's looking at Diego. Chrissy, you, you look as beautiful as ever. You know, I appreciate that. I don't get enough compliments around here. And your voice, your voice is just as gorgeous as always. It's, it's like music to my ears. <coughs> I said, we're here to talk about a movie you directed. Oh, Meg, good to see you. It's been so, it's been, God, what was it, this? 50s? So long, yeah. It's the 70s now, so... Uh, I'm a little dry. Uh, Chrissy, would you mind getting me some lemon jello? Uh, No, lime jello. It's my favorite. Chrissy? 
I'll get you, you damn jello. Hold on to your panties. I'm going to look around the room to see if there's any any kind of like food trays or anything out that I could get jello. The young uh, nurse who's waiting is like beckoning towards you, like follow me kind of situation. Take one look back at uh, Meg. It's going to be right over here. And I'm going to walk over to uh, where that nurse is. And the nurse leads you away, presumably towards where the lime jello might be. Meg, you are alone with Sid. Uh, oh, remind me, what what project are we doing together? Are there people around us? Yes, lots of old people. Does anyone appear to be like close enough to be listening or whatever? They could be if they could hear. That is fair. So I'm going to uh, lean a little closer to Sid and I'm going to say, yeah. So we were wondering what that movie you started called Seance 9. Do you remember it? Seance 9. What year did I direct that? I don't remember. In 62. Was that with that butler kid? He was working the camera. Yeah, I think there was something on. We found a reel. Oh, yeah. I think you mean you found the reel. The reel. We assumed that there was a nine on the inside of Oh, that was just the name of the picture, and we never got beyond take nine. And that was it. That was the only thing we shot, and it was done. What was the story? Stupid schlocky thing Dickie Evans wanted. Just, you know, uh, booga booga, like <laughs> ghosts and goblins and shit. I got paid and that's all that matters. But Jesus, it all went south so goddamn quick. Maud, that was a young actress. Yeah, she, you know, she had it. You know, I've seen lots of people and they, they lots of actors and actresses come. She was like from Iowa or some fucking thing. And, but she had it. She had the thing. And uh, unfortunately for her, that was it for her. What happened to her? Never saw her again. And, and that's probably for the best because of all the blood. The woman who was the medium. Oh, yeah, Betsy, Betsy. What was it, Betsy's name? Ah, fuck, my memory is just shot to shit. Who was there? There was Betsy, there was Hans somebody. Hans? Was that his name? Hans? Hans? Honestly, you're probably going to have to ask Dickie. Actually, we went to his studio, and uh, Dickie is no longer with us. Oh, that poor bastard. What did he die of? It was pancreatic cancer, wasn't it? Pancreatic cancer will get you. It'll get everybody. I mean, they call it old age. If that were true, Missy, I would have been dead a decade ago. <laughs> the reel got sold to um, Mr. Eugene Eubank. Oh, you, you? Did he get control of the storage unit? He just told us that he got it from Dickie. I thought Dickie said that that storage unit was secret. We weren't supposed to tell anybody about it. Maybe the widow sold it? She sold the storage unit at Yep Storage? Somehow, Mr. Eubanks ended up with it. He always said number five was our little secret. This Hans guy, do you know what happened to him? Didn't he, like, invade a bunch of countries and rape some women or something? Attila the Hun? That was the Hans. I'm not really a history major. Are you Are you Chrissy? Yes, Ed. Give Grandpa a hug. I'll give him a hug. Oh, that's good. And you quickly realize that the hug is becoming something more. And I am going to pull away as vehemently as possible. At the exact moment, Diego returns with a handful of lime jello. The nurse immediately sees what's going on and intervenes. Sid, this is not appropriate. We talked about this. What is my my granddaughter? Which is even worse. 
couldn't I put this in like a bowl or a cup? I'd just grab a handful out of the... That seems really unsanitary. What am I supposed to do with this? Just a trail of lime jello across the place. Oh, is that my lime jello? Yeah, here you go. I'm just going to drop it in his lap. Thanks. Oh, yeah. He starts just shoveling it out of his lap into his mouth. And you can see that his grasp on temporal reality is slipping quickly. That's good for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he gets like this sometimes, and the doctor says it's probably terminal. And That's okay. We know. Can I, like, wash my hand or anything before I go? Or You can wipe it on his sweater. <laughs> it's sticky. You guys can come back tomorrow if you want. He might be better. Okay. You know the way out? Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to look around and see that there's just an old person who fell asleep in the wheelchair with a blanket on their lap. Quickly look around and grab the blanket off and rub my hand to get the sticky jello off and then just kind of drop it back over them and hope nobody notices. So, yeah, you guys uh, head back out to the reception area where you had signed in. And, of course, they want you to sign back out. And you notice the hulking attendant is... No longer a hulking attendant. It's a thin middle-aged guy with a receding hairline. He's wearing a name tag that says Craig on it. Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good, you know? Making my way in the world today. It requires everything I got. You here to see your grandpa or something? Well, just saw him anyway. He's uh, not doing too well these days, so we uh, we try not to stay too long. I saw you in there, Sid, right? Yeah, sir, I didn't, uh, you know, escort you down. I should have done that, but I just, I was in the bathroom. No, it's all good, man. You guys have, like, bowls around here or anything? Because I got him some jello, and she just made me grab a handful. Sorry, man. Government funding. Oh, no, that makes sense, I guess. There was a guy here, a larger man. Didn't catch his name tag. Sorry, who? Another orderly. No, I'm the one on duty today. Sorry. It's me, Craig. Okay, thanks. Have a good one. Keep on trucking, Craig. Yeah, you too, kids. Uh, don't take drugs. Uh, you want a ho-ho? Hey, if you're giving them for free, I'll take one. There you go. Cool, man. You're, you're pretty cool. Next time, just ask for me and, you know, I'll, uh, I'll get you a bowl. How's that sound? That'd be that'd be amazing. Thanks, man. Let me keep your hands clean. He holds it up. It's just a urinal. <laughs> it's a bedpan. <laughs> Once we're outside, I'll tell Diego. Sid said something about a storage unit. It was Dickie's storage unit. You say uh, where the storage unit was? He said it was at Yep Storage. Oh, yeah, I know the place off Fifth. I applied for a job there once. They turned me down. Yep Storage is actually in Inglewood, not too far from Serenity Sunsets. And you know it because you've seen the billboards all around town. It's actually not Yep Storage. It's Yep Storage. Run by Little Davy. He is the owner proprietor of Yep Storage. And it's not too far away, actually. I mean, how much time do we have? You may or may not get to work on time. Are you feeling lucky today? Speaking of which, we'll roll for luck next time. This has been tape three of K-17 Seance 9. Today's episode was brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on Patreon.com slash Tape. So thanks, guys. Want to drop us a letter from beyond? Please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime to fill out our contact form. And although I don't have anything to read today, I uh, just do want to say thank you to everybody on social media who's been commenting that they've been enjoying this so far. So appreciate that. Please subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. We appreciate you listening to the Lovecraft Tapes. And if you like what you've heard, please consider writing a review on the podcast platform of your choice. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. If anybody can find me a bowl for this jello, it's um, 
starting to melt a little and this is kind of getting a little weird and maybe somewhat uncomfortable you can you can get that bowl to me by finding me on either mastodon or uh or blue sky at the real weird kid i have a bedpan for you to put that jello in so um if somebody wants to like go to my link tree at link tree slash lupon vendetta all one word and uh deliver the bedpan to matt that would be great uh, i just need a couple mini thins if anybody has any mini thins out there or some drift stand we'd be great i just need to stay up i gotta get i gotta get this done until next time roll for squirrel turds The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2024. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.